Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. I'm Cynthia Katera, joined with my partner in crime, Janine Toro. We are an LGBT podcast highlighting some really awesome people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives. And we're here to provide a source of inspiration for our listeners. So with that, today we're joined by Alex Baldwin, who is a designer and technologist right here in NYC. She's the co-founder, CTO of Interface Foundry, and is doing some really awesome and spectacular work specifically with building apps. Uh, So welcome to the show, Alex. Give us a little background about yourself, what you do, a few projects you're working on, and so forth. Sure. Hi, um, I'm Alex, um, and I have kind of a background more in design and user experience and interaction and um, combined closely with how technology can drive user experience um, and kind of enable users to, I guess, become closer with technology. And um, I Interface Foundry is the parent company that I uh, co-founded uh, with my um, co-founder, Rachel, um, Rachel Law. And uh, we both, we met at Parsons and are doing our design technology masters and um, right now, Interface Foundry is making Kip. Kip is uh, our uh, lets you search for things in physical stores around you through a kind of intelligent chat service that we interconnect with different applications. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us like more about that? Because I mean, uh, so Alex and I met at the um, the Gay Tech Meetup, and um, we were kind of talking about Kip styles, and mm-hmm. I was so fascinated with it, like working in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a great like user tool um, specifically. So if I, you're saying like, if I'm in a store and I'm looking for, I don't know, like a red dress, mm-hmm. I can see how many red dresses there are or. You don't even have to be yeah. in the store. You can okay. actually search anywhere around you and it will tell you where the red dress is in all the stores around you. Oh, wow. You can also search for things like fall wear or uh, what should I wear for a formal dinner or to a party and we'll give you suggestions based on what we know about you. Oh, cool. Yes. We, we have, since we last talked, we're moving into more of the artificial intelligence direction. I can talk about that as well. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of like brought you into that? Like why, why Kip styles? Like why you've done a lot of projects in mm-hmm. your, um, your career. website. Yeah. In your career, <laughs> your website and your portfolio, it's huge. It has, a vast variety of all sorts of things um, in technology. Like why, mm-hmm. why fashion? Well, um, we actually, so Interface Foundry first started out as a um, kind of a larger idea of building these worlds, um, these worlds based on space and time. So people were building it for things like events and building it for um, shopping malls and stuff like that. And we saw the most traction, the most interest in being able to search for things within those malls and those spaces. So we also, um, my co-founder uh, is super into alternative uh, underground Japanese fashion, basically. Um, cool. So I'm more into, I, I, I study a lot of like underground New York's fashion. like, yeah. And we both talk about fashion's trends and how culture, of, uh, you know, influences fashion and vice versa and how technology drives fashion forward at some points. And so we talk about fashion and then we're like, wait, why don't we put fashion into our app? Because we really are, we like that kind of idea of how you can project yourself, your identities onto different fashion. Yes. And, okay. So we're, <laughs> you're speaking yes. about, you're speaking about language. Say, I'm like, Cynthia says this all the time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, but it's something that we fundamentally believe in and combining that with um, where we're moving with Kip, which is like 
more toward um, like smart understanding the person and their styles and how their aesthetics can actually change and be influenced by culture. Um, and that's something that we're trying to move toward. I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> no, like I need this in my life. No, I mean, that's what, I mean, one of, one of the reasons why I got into fashion was that um, it is an expression of mm-hmm. yourself. Like I might wake up one day and want to wear a so the choice A, and mm-hmm. then tomorrow I might wear something totally different, but it all encompasses my style mm-hmm. and my expression of who I am and even specifically like how I feel that day. Um, so I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess the question I have is, do you, I guess, partner with these stores or are they like curated stores that you could find whatever the red dress I'm looking for, for mm-hmm. example, or is like, how do you go about that, essentially? How do we get the data? Or Well, I guess more so, like, are they, like, do you have to partner with certain stores to get their availability, right? Like, how how would I know that there's a red dress, say, at X store versus this store versus that mm-hmm. store? We or, use some special techniques. It's a um, secret. Oh, no, no, I, I, I'm no. just not familiar. Yeah, I just, yeah. No, it is interesting. It's, yeah, it's yeah. We, it, I don't know how much I should talk about that. Okay, um, okay. We it's do, top secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we use, I'll say, a magic blend of techniques to yes, get perfect. a, uh, using a combination of reverse engineering, um, re- private APIs from retailers. I won't really get into okay. how we do that. Um, combined with um, scraping and understanding social media based on locality and social media that different stores used to promote their products. Okay. Um, and we kind of pump that all into our system to fully understand um, where the things are. That's our past work in like um, space and time-based data really lets us do all that stuff pretty easily. Yeah. I can, I'll tell it's you more about yeah. that yeah. Off, off, off. Yeah, no, it's just interesting to me because, I mean, you think about like partnerships, like say for Foursquare or something, yeah. right? Where... You know, they're getting, I'm sure they're not partners with all these restaurants, but they have that data, right? That you can, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in this location, I want this type of food. So I was mm-hmm. thinking it's probably similar to that. Or was it like, hey, I'm partnering with these four local stores or these big corporate, you know, bigger mm-hmm. stores. And then they they kind of have the first dibs on it, like almost like Apple Pay. Yeah. You know, they were, they partnered with certain people first before they get mm-hmm. out. So I, I was just, you know, unclear. But that, we, that, we, yeah. we have tried to do the whole partnership thing before and the problem we've run into is the amount of bureaucracy at these companies is insane especially one department i won't say specifically which um retailer we talked to very big one who the uh one do you guys have an inside secret no no, 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 no. go ahead i'm sorry Uh, (laughs) and one department who worked in the online retail had no idea what was happening in the offline retail with the tech. And so the, none of them talked to each other like, wait, that item's not on the website? Like, what are you talking about? And like, this is happening in the meeting that we had with them. And it was, that's just a small example of like the kind of craziness that we ran into. And so we that. wanted to work with that, but we wanted to go in that direction. And we were like, you know what? Screw it. We'll just devise their own system to get all this live inventory. Yeah. So now how does artificial intelligence play into all Mm -hmm. of your products? Yeah. So um, we're starting to work um, with uh, kind of like an artificial intelligence based chat program that uh, you can talk to, ask about what the things you want around you um, as well as it will give you online uh, samples if we don't find anything. um, And then it 
can understand more about your styles based on what kinds of things you're asking for and what things you're most interested in. So I can go into the super detailed um, things that we do for artificial intelligence at this point. Uh, I will say that we're using the same techniques that Google and Facebook are using um, because they put out their white papers for free. So yeah. we, we can basically um, mimic the same style like Facebook M, which is the new thing that yeah. um, Facebook is doing. Um, we basically use the same techniques. And uh, we also do a lot of image extraction in order to understand images that we get. So a lot of the images we get don't have tags. So you need tags to be able to search for yeah. things by styles. Um, so we actually uh, do a lot of image analysis um, called deep learning, uh, convolutional neural networks, um, in order to understand more about the images and then relate that to semantic terminology. So you can search for things like black tie. And it won't be just like black tie as in a literal black tie, it's black tie as in the concept, yeah, which is amazing. a that is stress incredible. code. Yeah. 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 How many people are working on this product right now? How big is your team? Oh, um, it's f- four people at the moment. Yes. We have some remote workers as well yeah. who do some of the scraping and stuff like that. It's yeah. awesome. So can you talk about a little bit, you know, like, I guess, how did you get to where you are now? Sure. Um, you mean like overall my like life art? Well, no, <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Maybe a, a little elevator pitch. Like, you know, have you always like? Where are you from? Like, mm-hmm. when did you come to New York? Um, I guess maybe the premise of like why you got into what you're doing now. Like, what mm-hmm. kind of drove you there? Sure. Um, let's see. I started out in Los Angeles. Um, that's where I grew up technically in Orange County. I moved to LA proper for many years um, and worked in the movie industry uh, when I was at USC uh, and then worked in kind of movie posters. I worked on Iron Man, Dark Knight, all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Because it's yeah. like, there's, you know, it, you're, a desi- you're in a design mill, basically like churning out a thousand different concepts for yeah. a movie poster. It just doesn't work after a while. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I had always been working on computers, I would say, building computers, building networks, uh, working in Unix and Linux for since I was a kid. And um, and I took that kind of knowledge that I've been working on the side and start. I wanted to really apply that um, to, tech, um, to my design work because I really think that if you can design products uh, in an accessible way, you can really empower people with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's when I went to, so my, my grad, so undergrad at USC and graduate at um, Parsons. And that's where I started to meld those two things together and started working on some pretty activist style projects, mostly. Mm-hmm. So what made you want to start your own company? Um, okay, so I worked in the nonprofit space, uh, Nonprofit Technology, Open Technology Institute, and they were great. The problem is they didn't have the resources to expand the products and the ideas and the research that I was working on. I brought to Open Technology Institute, and I felt that the only way to get capital to actually do research and development was through um, creating a startup. And we, my co-founder and I, we didn't want to do you know every other kind of startup, which is why we specified having the. Um, the PBC, the Public Benefit Corporation status. So that means that we can yeah. be open source, um, we can be a benefit to society while still making a profit. And that's like kind of, um, Etsy has that status and a few other companies now. So it's like a very progressive idea. But like, not not all of it has to be profit driven all the time, but you yeah. can actually give back to the community, the community as well. I didn't even know that existed. That's amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Um, 
So what can you say, I guess, like in your journey, in your journey of life, like what are, what are some of like the biggest risks that you feel like you've taken Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, are you glad you, you had taken those, you know, like kind of what you learned from them or like the benefits or I don't know, maybe, maybe there was not a benefit for, from one of those decisions. I would say the, a really big risk was moving to New York randomly. I hadn't even gone into Parsons yet. And I kind of just, I had applied and then forgot I applied. And then, um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I moved to New York. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I was uh, with the partner I was with at the time. Uh, she didn't know how to drive a car. Uh, and... LA is a really unforgiving city for people without cars. And yeah. I was fed up with the movie industry. We were like, you know, screw it. And we're the kind, we were the kinds of people that have very on the whim choices without really lots of thought. We had nowhere to go. We didn't have anyone we knew in New York. Um, yeah. I didn't have a job or anything. And we flew here, stayed at a hotel for three days um, and found a place on Craigslist in a basement in Clinton Hill when it was still cheap. Oh my <laughs> God, that's crazy. And so lived there in this one room, well, not even a room, it was a studio, you know, like a little block underneath the basement and yeah, yeah. giant mega rats and roaches and all that. Oh stuff. my God. Oh, New York. How would yeah. that be? <laughs> so yeah, it was a great introduction to the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome to New York. Here's your underground apartment with no light. <laughs> yeah. And you almost kill your roommate slash partner at the time. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, how long ago was that um that was six years ago okay yeah 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 so that was a definite risk and got here and then I had I then I immediately jumped into working at A&E television networks for a while um as a side thing for like until I got a letter from Parsons like hey about that thing and then I was like oh yeah I forgot about that (laughs) oh yeah and then I was also working yeah so I think I, I mentioned this before but I was also working on that thing for CERN at the time when I started Parsons, which made my life really complicated because scientists are very specific about quantum events and making sure everything is accurate. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, I guess that risk paid off. I mean, because, you know, like moving here yeah. seems, you know. Yeah, it paid off. Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't regret it. I, I love L.A. I love the food and um, I don't and my friends, but I don't miss everything else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What about, I mean, would you say like starting your company was a big risk as well? Yeah, definitely. Because we, my co-founder and I, we have worked on this company like 24 seven for the past year and a half. And it's extremely taxing. Like you, we have, we, we basically think that you have to be insane Um, (laughs) to start a company and you it is a level of like I don't really know what I got myself into and if you if I knew what I got myself into I probably would have maybe done anyway but still it's like I might (laughs) have reconsidered it or thought about it but like it's a it's a level of like ignorance as well as like insanity and like determination and that's really like the combination that led to us growing and like being able to you know get money and funding and resources to expand and, and continue on working so yeah so how far I guess when you graduated from Parsons Mm -hmm. did how far uh how much time did you wait to actually start the company or was it like kind of was an idea you had when you were in grad school and you're like hey this is something we want to do like let's pursue this or was it something that you kind of just 
started right after school. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when I was doing my thesis at Parsons, um, I was working in um, wireless mesh networks for um, kind of community access. And so I was working with the Red Hook um, um, Wi-Fi network. I kind of founded it as well as the uh, Red Hook Initiative and building this tool called Tide Pools on top of it, which was like a social mapping platform um, that helped the community to communicate. And especially after Hurricane Sandy, when um, everything went down and um, the network became really famous because it stayed up and helped people communicate through the, awesome. through the hurricane. Um, so that's amazing. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. So, uh, so that, that, so uh, I was working closely with open technology Institute, uh, which is uh, part of new America foundation. And that's like a think tanks in TC is like technology think tank. And um right after I graduated, they're like, well, they're like, you're already working with us, come work with us. So I worked there for a year and a half after I graduated. And then that's when I, after that, that's when I started the company with my co-founder. She had, she was one year uh, behind me. So, um, but we had always been talking in school, like, yeah, like what you're working on is like totally close to what I'm working on. Like tide pools was what I was working on, which is like identity of a space and locality. And then she was working on how to swap your metadata cookies uh, in order to trick online advertisers to give you discounts because some people get better deals online than other people. Um, <laughs> that is so awesome. Sorry, I'm over here. I'm like, my mind is just like, yes. Know. Yeah. So, yeah, she knows all about like the crazy metadata, like problems of ad tracking and it's not changed it's actually gotten more invasive and more like you'll get like denied credit because of your history online sometimes you know it's like yeah that's crazy um so what kind of advice can you give to our listeners about starting their own business like (laughs) any any words from the wise (laughs) um first research a lot um about the inner workings of an really understanding how this whole process works. We took a lot of time to research and figure it out. The second is it's all about connections. Unfortunately, I think it's a very um, kind of gatekeeper style world and um, it's very hard to get funding um, if you don't have any connections, if you're not in the startup world, if you don't didn't go to the right school like Stanford or something or like yeah. work in Silicon Valley and are like, you know, a cis white dude and all that. So yeah. it's like, it's very like, um, it's a very gatekeeper style world. And you have to really just like be persistent in your connections and work your connections, harass people. Don't feel bad about harassing people until they tell you to stop. That's something that we were not used to. Yeah. I don't like harassing people. <laughs> they fair. want to be stalked. They want to be harassed. Like that's the thing. I, I, we, we saw some article like, oh, like this startup, this got funding because they like literally stalked an investor. Like they found out where he lived and, and drove around and, and stalked him. And we're like, that's insane. That is All insane. these people are crazy. This is a crazy thing. <laughs> it's like borderline. I'm calling the cops. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're either going to get a business or you're going to jail. No, yeah, but they're also very persistent. Yeah. 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 It's hard work. That's a determination, you know, like. I can see the qualities it's like, but it's just very psychotic in my opinion, but, um, it's how the game works, you know? Um, it really, it's different if you're trying to get funding from things like government entities and, um, writing grants and all that, but this is for strictly like venture capital slash angel capital. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, it is. And also, it's very hard to catch someone's attention. And, you know, our inboxes are overflowing. You forget. And then yeah. sometimes it's just like that one minute, that second they looked at their phone, they see your email. They probably don't even remember you emailed them 10 times before that. You know, I mean, it sounds <laughs> silly. But I mean, I think stalking someone to their house is a little extreme. But you know what? You know, you, we probably don't hear half the stories that these people that have venture capital or have the support from these people mm-hmm. and what they did, you know, and mm-hmm. hey, they may have a successful business, right? Yeah. I mean, I've even had to do that with people like where they email me and I'm like, what's this person? And then they email me again and another time. I'm like, okay, fine. And then it turns out it's feeling great. Exactly. It's just, I, yeah. everyone's so inundated with technology. It's like, it's just part of the game. It's yeah. part of the process. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, one other project um, that you're working on. It it was called uh, People Skype. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to know a lot about that. Sure. Um, I was, to me, it's so interesting because it's so complicated, but so simple, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just got you so excited because I was trying to formulate a question about what, how I wanted to ask it, yeah, but I didn't. I guess for know. me, like, one, it's kind of like what inspired you about it? Because I, I think it's interesting, too, because it's about a lot of, like, advocacy and a lot of, like, people fighting for something that they believe in, right? And making it easier to voice themselves. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know if maybe, you know, you've you've done protests before or maybe you've never done them or maybe you just want people to have their voice heard. But, like, I guess, one, what is the inspiration? And two, um, have you talked to these people or, like, the users after the fact um, and how they sort of... Has it helped them? Like, what feedback have you gotten about it? Mm-hmm. And obviously, for everybody else, you'll, you'll talk about what it actually is. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited. Everyone today. has to yeah. Yeah. Um, So People Skype was a project that I made um, <coughs> because uh, during the Occupy Wall Street movement, I was noticing a pattern of how uh, there was a communication problem with um, the... when. So the people's mic um, is a concept of someone says something and then more people say it uh, repeat it basically because it's it's great for large crowds so the problem is is that when there's so many people it's really hard and really uh, to, to communicate so um you would have like someone saying the word or the sentence and then the, the people behind them saying the sentence and then people saying that again yeah. and again it's it's only works until a certain threshold of people so i kind of took that idea and i wanted to basically just amplify what was already being done um and so it's basically just like a one-way conference call uh, on cell phone, any kind of phone, and you can just uh, put your phone on, and it will basically be a repeater speak a speaker system. So basically, create like some very amplified one-way speaker system based on any kind of phone. Um, you just put the speaker on, and then you have like a little repeating system. And the the person people in the middle don't have to wait for everyone to repeat repeat. It's all amp- amplified at the same time. It also had a keyboard numerical keyboard system that people can vote on topics um to mimic the kind of hand signals that um people use in those scenarios but the problem with hand signals in those scenarios is that people in the way back don't actually have that opinion um so basically just took those two concepts and kind of consolidate them into a very simple technology that was usable on smartphones dumb phones (laughs) uh, ported phones (laughs) any sort of phone because it's just old technology Um, the kinds of feedback I got were the system was great. The there was some obviously some design problems with uh, how you get the word out to begin with. Uh, you have to enter the conference call room, 
Uh, so it's just like a four digit number. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a very difficult part is like the initial um, kind of knowledge about how to do that. Uh, it was used successfully in a few um, Occupy Wall Street uh, organization movements in California specifically. I don't know why California. Um, and then one in New York. Uh, and then strangely enough, most of the technology was just adapted uh, to other scenarios afterwards for different places. Like in Jamaica, it was used for um, voting on topics, um, not really just um, for people living in mountainous regions um, yeah. so that they can all kind of talk together on the same system, uh, like a one-way um, broadcast and then being able to vote. On That's incredible. Um, and in South Korea, it was used for something, but I don't know what, because it's open source. I have yeah. no idea what yeah. people use this yeah. stuff for. So do you have like this passion to bring people together or like communities together? Which may sound like an awkward question, but I feel like... <laughs> All of your projects and even, like, your company's mission, mm -hmm. it's yeah. about, like, bringing people or community together or, or to do good. Um, I would say yes. I have a lot of, like, I guess, I don't know, for me, I don't like to do things just because they're going to make a profit or be quick turnaround. But I actually believe in long-term impact and sustainability of technology and design. So for me personally, and I guess... Growing up, I didn't have many friends, so I've always wanted to bring people together and, and like, and, and like have a community. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, like, that's, for me, like, that's the whole point of technology. It's not, like, how many Instagram likes am I going to get? You know, like, it's, yeah. I feel like, you know, like, there's, like, a good and evil of technology and, you know, for the most part, like, it's supposed to make us, like, better people and bring us closer together and alleviate a lot of things that we're, that are taking up time in our life to bring us closer together in person. But instead, you know, like it has the opportunity. I mean, and like, we're all humans and have the choice to use the technology for that or to like, you know, have a conversation with somebody in person, but be on our phone, you know, like mm -hmm. not that mindfulness. So it's like, I guess it's all in context, but I mean, for me, like, that's what I think technology is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really great that you're like bringing that and um, having that, like, what, what was it? A PVC, like the benefit to community. PVC, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it's incredible. I mean, it's also incredible that it's open source. <clears throat> so anyone that wants to sort of, do something similar with what Alex is doing. They have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. It's not like she's locked, you know, the company is locking it up and you know, it's our idea. It's like, you're spreading it to other people and mm -hmm. allowing them to also create whatever they want to create. And hopefully they spread that same message of good, you know, with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really incredible. It's, it's great. Um, yeah. The, um, we have, we're still in the process of, like some stuff you can't, it's really hard to open source um, some parts uh, quickly because of security issues. You don't want to release something that can be exploited at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So you, that's actually the, the caveats of yep. open source is that, like projects that are not tested and not um, security tested actually sometimes actually bite back um, in a bad way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, you know, we release papers and um, we are releasing, and the original code is still open source. Um, people use it for all kinds of stuff. Um, but 
yeah, we're, you know, always trying to get more out there in terms of open source because it's the only way you can really advance technology, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like mm-hmm. I went to a whole conference um, this past week and uh, I was talking about the government and open source and how it's been sort of like such this, they've had so many assumptions about why it would be threatening to them from a security perspective or using the cloud or all these things. And plus like, hello, hurdles, like they have documents mile high that they have to go through. So this is kind of like a 360 for me, it's all coming together. Um, but there's so many people, I think, I think, like, I think this is the future. Like, I don't know, like, or maybe this is, I don't think it's old news, but I think it's, how do I say this? Like, using open source, bringing people together, artificial intelligence, it's like a really exciting place to be and to mm-hmm. see how this is all going to come together in, say, 10, 20 years from now with other future technologies, mm-hmm. you know, and all for, like, good causes or for actually helping somebody or for, like, bringing a group of people together that are fighting for a cause and they can actually come together for mm-hmm. that cause mm-hmm. and they could be somewhere completely across the world, yeah. you know? It's, it's, it's a really powerful mm-hmm. tool. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's really interesting to study is how people use um, organization techniques outside of technology. Um, because a lot of people have the assumption that you can just airdrop technology into something and improve it. Um, <laughs> and in fact, uh, well... That's how I understand <laughs> technology, you know? I'm like, yeah, you just do that. And it's, in fact, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's always interesting <laughs> to see how people organize and people communicate and get things done um, without technology or with limited technology and, um, and how you can intervene with technology in a very uh, meaningful and useful way instead of being like here use my app to organize instead it's like why because we already organize you know and and with tech messages it's like that's good enough but it's like how do you add how do you fix something that's broken because not because they're not smart already it's more like because there's a fundamental problem at at the core but yeah yeah um so i wanted to talk to you about um kind of like um this will be the advice column. <laughs> this is the advice section. Um, so you've spoken at a variety of large groups, such as the White House, Harvard University, and you've been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Vice, Fast Company, and the list goes on. Um, so how did these opportunities come about? And what kind of advice can you give to our listeners about speaking in front of large groups? Like, mm-hmm. how did you do it? Yeah. So um, a lot of the um, initial opportunities I got were because I was researching a field that was not very um, uh, common or known. um, And it was just coming up, which was the idea of mesh networks as a a tool for civil action and uh, like DIY communication networks, Mm -hmm. um, especially in disaster areas. Um, And it's just like, for me, I was there at the right time, I think, to get involved with things that were just up and coming. Yeah. Um, the White House thing was because of um, Hurricane Sandy and Red Hook. I was asked to speak there. Um, and it was like a crazy conference call with all the mayors of all every city in the U.S. And I was like, oh, my God. So <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that one came about because of the, t- the work that we had already been doing and the positive impact it had on um, the community and the sustainable growth because it's still going. Um, it's still growing. And um, the Harvard one was because of a same research. I was just like, basically following people on different news feeds and lists and becoming just contributing. And like, really like anyone can do these things. If you're just passionate and want to, if you contribute 
you, people, you get your name out there, you get your ideas out there. And yeah. um, it's just how you just have to keep like, it's, I can say that and like, oh yeah, it's very easy, but it's not. Um, it's, it's like, you have to surpass that first barrier of understanding uh, and then can it kind of indoctrinate yourself inside those communities. Um, a lot of these, especially these high technology communities that I've been working in, like um, wireless network communities and artificial intelligence communities, they're all very locked in. Um, they don't really like outsiders. So for me, my answer was I will learn so hard <laughs> and I will cry and I will like be so persistent in my knowledge that yeah. I will, uh, you know, really i really want to learn uh, and i know that they're doing everything they can to stop people not 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 like consciously stop but it's like all the terminology it's any kind of high even in academia it's the same thing where there's like all the terminology is very complex you have to understand all the research before it yeah um and there's no kind of like easy how-to guides out there for the most part and it's not it's not malicious it's mostly just like they're so busy they're not gonna like create a guide for people so it's like being persistent enough to to have to like kind of like go deep and understand these concepts to even get to that point. That's from, I mean, everyone's kind of experience is different, but that was how I um, did it. And now I'm doing it now with all these artificial intelligence things. Like, yeah, I got a GitHub re pull request accepted by someone the other day. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> like, you know, like in like one of the famous people in these communities, I was so happy. But like, I didn't I barely knew any about any of this stuff like two months ago. So that's like, that's yeah. crazy. So all like self-taught and mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I think like the internet is great for self-teaching if you're, you just need to be persistent. And the other thing, I'm not afraid to ask people for advice. Yeah. I, and it's really stupid things I ask sometimes that are like, what, you don't know that? Like, and I just, I have gotten like that kind of like, I would call it nerd shame before, like yeah. people like harassing you or like, what, you're so stupid. And like, or like, what yeah. a dumb question. Let me, or they'll close the thread because it's not smart. What? Yeah, this happens like a stack overflow. It's happened before. And it's like, get you know, out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I should start going on those. Like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, it's very hostile. You know, it's, really? it's, a, it, it's some, some of the communities are super great and super nice. And some of them are just very particular because they don't want to cloud the discussions with anything that's too simple. And that is so crazy. Yeah. So it's like, for me, I just don't, I have kind of, I used to be very scared. Um, and I kind of had to like, kind of psych myself out and be like, yeah. okay, you know what? Whatever. Like, I don't care. I'm going to ask the dumb question. I'm going to like email all these people. And like, <laughs> they're like, what, why are you emailing me? And like, I, I saw your name on the research paper. Let me ask you all these questions, like really stupid questions. And I, I was doing that. Usually what I say is I'm a student and I don't really, and then like a little bit more, um, Kind of accessible yeah like, i'm doing a research project um can you help me and then or i'll just go to meet up sometimes too yeah. like that's another great way it's like i wonder yeah. why people are so closed-minded or certain groups are so closed-minded it's like are they afraid that by sharing that now knowledge it's going to be like too powerful like too many people will understand it and like it's strange because to me it's like i don't know i i actually think there are no stupid questions but that's me because i think Google doesn't isn't always going to have the answer of one Two, other people that have expertise in something that I don't. I'm not going to know what these acronyms stand for, all these different like terminologies they use. Right. So it's like I'd be more willing to share that knowledge because you're going to share some type of knowledge to me that I don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see like 
how close-minded uh, some groups or people can be. Yeah, I think, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, was going to say <laughs> that I think it's a combination of closed-mindedness and just being really busy and not True. wanting to deal with it. Yeah. And so it's that combination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, we're, so what do you do for, what do you do for rejuvenation and where do you find your inspiration? Mm-hmm. When do you take a break? Yeah. <laughs> I don't take breaks, but when I do, um, you're doing I, podcasts. I do with podcasts. Us. We appreciate it. Exactly. Um, I am doing a podcast. That's, that's a break. Um, I also do a lot of cooking. Um, I like to just wander around grocery stores a lot. I think that's one of my favorite things in the world. It's just wander through a grocery store and poke, poke vegetables and stuff. Um, <laughs> Are you looking for anything like a weird know. vegetable? No, or I'm just like... kind of exploring. I don't know. Grocery stores are really interesting for me because it kind of reflects the like the, the community. Like if I go to a new country, I the first thing I do is go to a grocery, grocery store. store. I did yeah. the same thing when I was in Italy. <laughs> yeah. It's... First place I went was a grocery store. <laughs> she um, loves grocery stores. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They're very calming to me. Um, well, it's interesting too. It, it, this is gonna, yeah, we're going to get really deep about grocery stores right now. I find even just like the organization mm-hmm. of products, or it could products. be really bad. It could either be no, really that, good or really. But that's what's interesting. Poor. Like the way that whether it's in the United States in a different state or if it's in a different country, it's just the way they organize the products or just like rare and weird ingredients that I've never seen before and I want to find out more about. Or I don't know. I find too like. I don't, know, I don't know if it's necessarily calming to me, but I find whenever I'm stuck on a project, if I leave work and just walk around like the farmer's market or a grocery store, I come out with like a zillion ideas and I have no idea why. <laughs> but it's, it's like it's just my, se- it's like my secret thing. Like, yeah. So I relate to you on that. I'm going to start sending you to the grocery store when you're like frustrated or something. Yeah, when I'm frustrated. I don't know if that will be a good idea, but yeah. <laughs> Go to the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> but can you also go into a grocery store and just kind of pick out random ingredients and then cook from those ingredients? Yes, it's one of my favorite things yeah. to do too. I Sometimes what I do is I look for what's most fresh and then just go from there. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I'll, I'll just be like, mm, this combination, let me try it out. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's also really fun. So yeah, cooking cool. and grocery stores are like super therapeutic. Um, and for finding inspiration, I would say wa- I, I, la- I like to wander in new places, like mm-hmm. study the sticker details on the bottom of a corner of a wall. I don't know, like just like all like the weird like artifacts of humans around me. Like, yeah. Just like kind of get really caught up in details. Yeah. Like, that. like all, like, all <laughs> the like amazing. how like something might you know why is this thing like worn over over time like a wall is like kind of like didn't scratched up and like but it looks worn it i was like why like try to retrace the events i don't know i get i get really obsessed about like uh, architecture and like kind of like those little details of human like what humans are doing yeah Um, yeah people watching is great too (laughs) i I do it's very interesting like i spend a lot of my train rides watching how people like interact with say devices or or just conversations they're having it's just very like it's not even people watching like a creepy way it's like just seeing how people just like the everyday yeah and it's like how different it is from my everyday it's just or maybe it's similar and i just don't realize well you can't watch yourself of course that'd be amazing (laughs) i'm just kidding but no i just i just find and i have no idea maybe it's just working in design and ux i don't know but there's just something about watching people in different like even areas in the city or different communities and just how 
they interact or how they communicate with each other. It's just really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I even like looking at people, how they use their phone, like, as you're saying, but like, like what, how they use an app. And I'm like, well, that's different from the way I use Exactly. I do that all the it's very cool. She it does is. that to me because I'm like not a no, no, no. It's not she that. It's I that, use things really awkwardly. <laughs> no, it's even interesting to me about like when I first got a Mac computer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, God, this was ages ago, but just from using, say, like a PC versus a Mac, it was this whole different experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, I don't know, um, like I mean, I watched like. I like user testing in the law. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I like it better not when we're all sitting in a room, kind of like do this, do that, and these tasks. It's like when you're watching someone on the train, like, oh, wait, I didn't even know that Instagram has that feature. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even realize you could swipe left and it does this. And it's just like these little things or even, I remember one time I double tapped Instagram and said, I was like, oh my God, you can like a photo that way. <laughs> and it's something so simple, right? Yeah. It was when they first switched it, P.S. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, it's not that anyone doesn't have this knowledge. It's that... When these people are creating these apps or these tools for us, it's like, it's almost like some of these things are like hidden features that we're supposed to discover. You're not supposed to just open it and know how to use it and have it be super usable, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, I discovered this. Or I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's very exciting to me, at least. Yeah. No, totally. I think it's it's really um, interesting to see how people kind of like try to use something in a new way that's not what they what the engineers intended. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So with your company, mm-hmm. how do you see it growing? Do you see it expanding to like a huge team? Do you, do you see it still staying small and concise and that's that, that works for you guys? Um, I don't even know how you go about getting clients, but do you see it? Like, how do you see it growing? Like in your perfect world, how would you see your company mm-hmm. growing? Yeah. Um, so we have some kind of five to 10 year projection plans um, that involve, well, first of all, one of our investors is in China. So we'll probably be moving some of our operations um, to Hong Kong and Singapore, and then eventually there. Um, But just just because there's a whole like emerging field of online to offline interaction that's happening in that area of the world, because the middle class is growing and there's a lot of new kind of opportunities for people and a lot of people that are early adopters in technology. Um, And it's also like, I would say, yes, like there's the team has shrunk and grown and shrunk and grown over time. And because we're, you know, in the kind of an experimentation phase of um, what, what gains the most traction. And that's where we're heading is like, okay, so people really like this. Um, what what Kip is now, and now we're expanding upon that. So our team is definitely going to grow, especially as we move more into integration with all these third party chats. So like Slack um, and WeChat and Facebook eventually, and all those kind of chat service systems. So that's where I see everything. Like there's this whole trend that's coming up right now, which is like um, kind of like artificial chat uh, service based interaction, and like <clears throat> that's happening everywhere right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of on the up. Um, so I like being on top of trends or being ahead of trends. And yeah. um, this is where I see things going. And it's the whole idea of a voice um, interaction as well as simplified interaction. Um, if you don't have an app that needs to have all the features, you, if you can integrate with other services, then it's much more um, useful and important. And that's what we want to do. We are moving away from our own apps. <laughs> 
and and sort of um, pushing ourselves into these other apps as services. Yeah. How do you um, how do you try to get ahead of the trend in your career? Like mm-hmm. you've been very good at that. Like you've always been on the upswing of things mm-hmm. and like getting there. Like I mean, before it happens, and every you know, like a lot of people say that are successful. Oh, it was all about timing. But, okay, yes, timing is totally key. But why are a lot of successful people or, you know, like people that have successful products, it is something about timing. But then you obviously need to see that before that timing, quote, happens to actually build what you're building. And obviously, like, that's like, it's such like a strength and, you know, that a lot of people don't have. I would say that for me, I try to be observant of the, my own pain points that I experience day to day. And like anyone can kind of observe the pains that they go through um, yeah. that are not as easy. Like what's the things in your life that are f- creating, causing friction for you with this technology or if it's offline or whatever. And what, like, if you, if you're able to like note, like um, see those kinds of points of friction, um, then that's one way to go about it. The yeah. other one is just, I mean, I guess for me, like, I kind of just, like, I have this weird feeling sometimes. Like, yeah. just, like, that's a very bad response because it means that, like, oh, if I don't have that feeling. What? Um, but, like, for me, I just, I, I kind of just get that feeling, like, oh, well, this feels like something that's, like, really going to be really important. Yeah, that's um, totally valid. But then the other thing is just research. I, I, I research. All I do is read. Yeah. Um, what Like, what do you read? Like, white, what white papers? Yeah. Like research papers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I subscribe to every single, I, I do not like Reddit as a platform. I think it's yeah. full of horrible people. I didn't say that. But, um, but the subreddits are like super, super great because a lot of like um, people that are kind of like nerds or obsessive people in their community post there first. Yeah. Um, and that's, I just take all that knowledge and I learn it from there. Or it's like subscribe. I'm on Twitter all the time. Cause I use that as like a news feed of like yeah. what's happening. Me too. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like Twitter and, um, I don't know. I'm just on the internet all the time. So I just yeah. like, I absorbing, absorbing. I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm never, I've never been on a day without the internet for like years. I don't know. Um, would you ever, or like, yeah, would, you, would you do a detox or? Yeah, sure. Or I mean, you're like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't need it. Yeah. I know I'm addicted. And yeah. Um, <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's... The so You don't have very... a day to lose. You're so busy. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, yeah. but the thing is, too, especially being in tech, I mean, the internet's so powerful. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I, I don't know. I, it would be hard for me to go without the internet. I'm just, just curious because some people secrets. do, yeah. like, a tech, technology yeah. detox. So I guess I have another question, too. What do you enjoy <coughs> most, like, being in the weeds of these projects? Like, more, like, management oversight or sort of doing research? Like, what... Like, I guess, not even like a day-to-day, but you're like, what do you enjoy doing most? Mm-hmm. Um, so my co-founder and I, I joke all the time that if we weren't doing this, we'd be getting our PhDs, and it's probably true, um, <laughs> because we're very much nerdy and researchy kind of people. Like, we're deep into theory all the time, and the thing that is hardest for us is take all that theory and combine it into something that's a usable product. Um, so for me, I feel the most at home when I'm deep in research. Sometimes it's extremely aggravating when I don't get I feel like I'm hitting a wall and it's, it's a really exhilarating feeling when you get through that, that yeah. feeling. But like beforehand, you're like, Oh my God, 
I'm dying. Like yeah. I'm having a panic attack, like any kind of like I've gone through every single stage of emotion, but um, get like, for me, I feel most comfortable in that. And then the other thing is after applying it to a product and seeing the feedback about, Oh, it's actually useful. Wait, the theory was actually justified. Like it's actually like you prove the theory. And that to me is most interesting. The part with getting the product UX UI implementation has for me been fun in the past. I think I'm not as enjoying that much anymore just because um, I've done so many <laughs> of those things yeah. that it's like the thing that I've done the most of and I'm not as interested anymore. Even though I love design, I think it's extremely important. Um, but for me, the if I can let someone else do it, that's great. But yeah. there is no one else that um, we only have technology people at our company. So I still yeah. have to do the day-to-day like wireframes and all that kind of stuff but um for me those two areas the before and the in the deep theory and then the like the return results on those on that theory very cool amazing well thank you so much for coming on this has been great i know my mind is like blown i have to <laughs> i need to like re-listen to this to like learn relearn everything i just heard <laughs> you can uh, you can email me if you have any questions okay i may no questions are stupid remember that. <laughs> i know, I, know. I, like, I, what I firmly this? believe in that like, like <laughs> i love helping people to understand all these high theory or like high technology it's like it's way too locked up and I really want, like, yeah, email about anything. Okay. Yeah, and I can't awesome. wait. I, I still want to use their test, mm-hmm. um, Kip. I like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Cynthia would be great to do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> we have a, that website now. Maybe you went to that one, but yeah. The Kip Styles? Kipsearch.com. Kip, okay. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one I went to. We should but. do that on air when you user test it. Yeah, <laughs> you can watch my I poor kid. user. I can't. Well, no. you can. It will test your. Uh... You, you are great. Stop being ridiculous. But <laughs> with that said, um, do you, for any listeners that kind of want to like find you on the internet, um, mm-hmm. can you, I guess, um, spell out or say where, like on Twitter or your website, wherever sure. you can be reached? Yeah, uh, my Twitter is um, A L Y X M X E. And then my website is jrbaldwin.com. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, As always, you can email us any um, questions, comments, concerns at hello at nakedinsideout.com. We are also now on Instagram, which is fabulous. So please follow us and like our posts. Um, What's the handle? The handle is naked and inside out, all spelled out, naked, A-N-D, inside out. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, um, or even if you're listening on our web browser or wherever, please go to iTunes and please give us a rating, uh, preferably five stars or whatever you think you deserve. (laughs) (laughs) And you can give us some comments, too, of what you think of the podcast. We'd love to hear some feedback. If there's any material or um, interests that everyone out there wants to hear, let us know because we're building and we have um, a great lineup. We have a really awesome interviews and lineups coming up. And Alex, again, thank you so much thank for um, giving us some of your free time of your busy schedule <laughs> yes. to uh, share with us. We appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Until next time, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye.